0: Good evening everyone, welcome to Legacy Battle. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, please join our Facebook group page. We're always looking for sponsors. As Brian said, he can put it in his background down there on his page. Um, I'm Michael Adams, the creator of Legacy Battle here with Brian King from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Kevin Adams and Bread Eater. And we are joined here tonight by a special guest, played 11 seasons in the NHL with the Oilers, Flyers, Avalanche, and the Blues. And he played three years overseas as well. So won the Stanley Cup in 2001 with the Colorado Avalanche. He's played alongside players like Eric Lindros, Joe Sackick, Al McGinnis, Ray Bork. Um, just a great player. He scored the sweetest goal in Flyers history. If you haven't seen that goal, <laughs> go to YouTube against the Kings. Amazing goal. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Podine. So, thank you for being Thanks, here, up guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank and you for you, having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. And if you YouTube his uh, his his goal against the Kings, make sure you check out some of his fights on there, man, because he throws a good <laughs> left right combo. So check that out. Um, so after the debate, we we'll have a uh, you know a little Q and A uh, with Sean. He's gonna you know answer some of the hard questions about his career. And um, tonight we are going to debate the greatest NHL Stanley Cup winner of the 1990s. Each of us is representing one at the end. We'll all vote on it and uh, we can't vote for our own. So that adds a little kink into it there. And um, we're looking forward to a good debate tonight. So we're going to start with Brian King, who is representing the 1991-92 Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Right, right. So the 1991-92 Penguins. Um, this team was a defending champion. They won the cup the season before, and they were playing with a with a heavy heart. Um, their beloved Badger Bob, their their head coach, um, he passed away uh, very early during this season. So they they put the they put the Badger uh, uh, patch on their um, on their jersey. So, uh, but they brought in Scotty Bowman, a Hall of Fame coach. Um, to to come in and take over so when you look at the roster of this team there were seven players um, who eventually made the hall of fame and there will most likely be an eighth with uh with the Armir Yager. um this team had five uh 30 goal scorers um when you look at the way that things transpired throughout the season they were hot in the early part of the year and then Mario lemieux he started having back issues and he, he missed a total of 16 games. And the team sort of slumped. Um, then they then, the, then he came back. And later a little bit later on in the season, they made a big trade uh, in which they brought in Rick Talkett, uh, Shel Samuelson, and Ken Reggett, And that really boosted the team. Um, they seemed to get a lot better uh, after that. And they, they went 12-5-1 after that trade to, to finish off the season. So they get into the playoffs. Um, they go down 3-1 to Washington. And they battle back. This is the way this team was most of the season. They had a lot of heart. They battle back and they win. They win that series. Then they go down two to one to the New York Rangers in the next round, and they rally back and they win in six. Well, they never look back after that. They go into the, conf- the Eastern Conference Championship. They sweep Boston, Then they go into the Stanley Cup and they sweep uh, uh, the Blackhawks. They actually set an, an, an NHL um, playoff record with eleven straight playoff wins. Uh, no one had ever done that before. Um, so, and, and then Mario Lemieux, he ends up winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. He also, you know, he was also the leading scorer that season. And the second leading scorer that season was Kevin Stevens, also on the Penguins. That ended up being a career year for him. Um, so when you really look at this team, it was it was pretty, you know, the, the record doesn't quite do it justice because you have to look at the way that the, that, the, that the season unfolded. But it was a very, very powerful team. And when I look at the Hall of Famers, like I mentioned earlier, If you count Yager, we're talking about eight Hall of Famers plus a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, And that's, you know, when you compare it with the other teams, the Rangers had six, the Avs had three, and Detroit had seven plus a coach. So the the Penguins are number one in this category.
0: And if Barrasso wasn't such a jerk to the press, he could probably be in the Hall of Fame. So (laughs) that didn't help his cause at all. Um, One thing you did not mention with uh, the Rangers series when they were down two to one, it was Mario Lemieux's hand was broken, and he was gone for the rest of that series. Adam Graves. So yeah, Adam Graves, right. So the, that's right. Mm-hmm. the other guys picked it up, uh, Ronnie Francis, um, Joey Mullen got knocked out in the same game as Mario. He was done for the rest of the playoffs, another Hall of Famer. So it was Francis, and they. Sean McEachern was a rookie, came in, picked it up, and they brought in some guys from the minor leagues that uh, they really played well for that team. Um so before I start bashing them, um, Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come down to you because you were part of the Flyers team in '96 '97 that basically retired Mario. Um, so I know you got experience playing against him and and Yager, of course, was there at that time too. So um, what are your thoughts on this '92 Penguins Cup team?
2: Oh, incredible! I mean, there it was. A, it was a it was a really fun time when I was out in Philly because. Uh, Pittsburgh had really, really good teams and we ended up having a very, very good uh, run the five years I was out there. And so every game was competitive. Uh, Mary Lemieux, one of the greatest players in the history of the game and uh, to have a Yager out there at the same time and the supporting cast they put together. They're definitely arguably one of the best teams in the 90s. And it was to me, to me, it was a blessing just to be out there to be on the same ice as those guys. (laughs) Most nights have a good seat to watch them play. (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, Brian, so I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna throw this out here about your Penguins team. Brian Trottier, he is in the Hall of Fame, but when he was with the Penguins, this is a fourth line center at that point, you know, maybe scoring 20 points in a season. So he was well past his Hall of Fame days. Um, and Barrasso was very beatable. Um, that was one of his better years. I will give him that. But uh, He's no Patrick Waugh, who I'm going to mention in my team that I'm representing later. So I'll throw that out there. And uh, the Pens were whiners, man. They they were big time whiners. Just look at that year alone. Um, Yager got suspended for, you know, touching a ref, getting his face after uh, Mario and Stevens were kicked out of a game for complaining about calls. And Yager comes over, bumps the ref because he's mad about it. So you know the, the Penguins had a, a long line of early '90s whining and, and uh, you know that, that taints them a little bit in my opinion. But Kevin or Brett, you point a little in. bit
1: because the way the game was changing, it was sort of transitioning to into more of a defensive game right around that you know at that point a little bit. So I think that might have been why they were like, wait a <laughs> minute, this isn't the same as it used to be.
3: <laughs> Kevin, hey, I'm going. to
1: Go ahead, uh, Kevin.
3: All right. Um, I, I just wanted to mention, can we can we not forget Game One? against the Chicago Blackhawks in that finals down, what, four to one and come back and win it 5-4 in the third period? Come on. That was one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the game, including, you know, it was in the Stanley Cup finals. I mean, the way that they fought back and, and came back in that game against Ed Belfour, one of the greatest goaltenders to play the game. I mean, come on. That was that was re- remarkable, man.
1: They ended up chasing
3: Belfort later on in that series.
4: Yeah, you know, Absolutely. I I'm touch I'm touching on the point that Mike you brought up. I mean, the there's no arguing the the offense that that team had. I mean, unbelievable when you look at some of the statistics that's there for uh the top, you know, five scorers on that team. Uh but Tom Baraso was one of the weak points. I mean, he had a 3.53 goals against average uh for the year. I mean, you look at that nowadays, he wouldn't even be a starter in the NHL with something like that. Um and the team as a whole they gave up 308 goals uh, on the year, which put them at 20th uh, in the league that year for goals against. And of course, we know they were first overall with with goals for, I mean, again, they were a scoring machine, but it's, it's uh, kind of like tough when you got to outshoot somebody every single game because eventually you'll come across a hot goaltender or something like that uh, that really can bounce you. That happened to them
0: the following year when uh, Glenn Healy got really hot, shut him down 92, 93. Um, as Brian said, that was that was one of the last few years before the the trap kicked in and 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 defenses just like totally took over. But Sean, by any chance, did you uh, get into any tangles with Alf Samuelson from that team?
2: <laughs> no, Alfie he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't bother his time with a player like me. He went after the big boys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair
0: enough, fair enough. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to the 93-94 Stanley Cup champion, New York Rangers, uh,
4: Brett, that's you, right? Yes, it is. Uh, a lot of times this goes against my religion, you know, trying to cheer on a New York team. But, hey, you know, I, got, I picked them, I took them because I really did feel that they were one of the best teams of the uh, 90s, if not, you know, ever. Uh, But basically, yeah, we're talking about the 1994 Rangers. Uh, They finished with 112 points that season, Eastern Conference champions. Um, They had 299 goals for, which was fourth in the league. And then, of course, we know Mike Richter and Nett, Um, they had 231 goals against, which put them at third in the league. But when you look at, like, I'll start off with their goaltending. Mike Richter went 42-12-6. Uh, for a goaltender, that's unbelievable uh, by any day standards. And um, it's funny because not only could they have that offense, but when you have a guy like that behind you, it kind of reminds me, it's similar of my Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, it, you're, you're a tough team to beat no matter where you are. Um, another thing that's very interesting about this team, though, when you look at it and how they created their legacy, was preseason they were 12th. And preseason odds to win the Stanley Cup at plus fifteen hundred there were eleven teams well there were two teams that were tied with them, but then there were also nine teams ahead of them uh that were preseason favorites more than them to win the Stanley Cup um, but again they they it's the big apple, it's New York, a uh, huge sports city, obviously one of the biggest in the country. uh It had been like three generations since they had won a cup, um, and then they assembled this team uh together. And it it just turned out, I mean, we look at going, again, you had the top scorer on the team that year was a defenseman, and Sergei Zuboff, the top, uh, probably the top two defensive scoring duo, arguably in history with Brian Leach and Sergei Zuboff on the same team. Um, And then we know about up front captain Mark Messier, uh, one of the greatest to ever play the game, Hall of Famer. Um, and then it's funny because you look at the head coach, Mike Keenan, was brought in um, because they, a lot of people, a lot of teams and writers said this team was too soft. Um, and even Mike Keenan, when he came in, felt like this team needed a little bit of a push in the physicality area. And uh, that's when we were talking about Jeff Boom earlier. Uh, they you know, they had him on the team at Jay Wells, uh, some really big guys to go along with. Uh, their the, their offensive stars, and then obviously their defense and goaltending. Uh, and so you look at it, and they they go in, and first round, they sweep the New York Islanders. 4-0, uh wasn't really even a challenge for them. Uh, Washington Capitals, they went in five games. So right now, they're rolling along. Uh, they go in, and then they face the New Jersey Devils, one of their rivals there in the 90s. Uh, another one of the good teams with the Scott Stevens and everything, and They went in seven games. Wasn't an easy series, but but they did it. Um, And then they get to the Stanley Cup final, and it's funny because they kind of rolled along, got got out to a 3-1 lead, and Canucks surprised them and came back and won the next two games. And then they had to pull out that uh, 3-2 win in game seven uh, with Mark Messier scoring the uh, game-winning goal, which, I mean, what's the odds of that? Um, But again, I mean, this team from beginning... To end of the season was one of the best. They they started off at like four and five, and that's when Mike Keenum kicked them in the gear, and then they went on like a thirteen game point streak, 12 and one, I think it was. Um, and to me, I mean, it speaks for themselves. They that from be- again beginning to end, they finished first in the conference compared to these other teams that we're talking about. Uh, most of them didn't even finish first in their division uh, to, to finish the season. And again, I know that's not all that matters, but when you're talking about a legacy from beginning to end of the season, New York Rangers kind of speak for it. And
0: really, to me, their legacy is the fact that they're not the New York Rangers. They're the Edmonton Oilers. That's exactly <laughs> what they were. Nine former players were bought, basically. You know, Edmonton having their fire cell. And, Sean, I got—I know you were drafted by the Oilers, so you probably came up with some of these guys that, uh, you know, ended up moving on from Edmonton. Um so I, I got to ask you, um, you know, what, what were your thoughts on that that Rangers team?
2: Um, it's funny because you guys talked a little bit with the Pittsburgh team about uh, Brian Trottier, one of the greatest players in the game uh, that Pittsburgh got for that, that solid veteran fourth line center, whatever you want to call it. New York kind of did the same thing with Craig McTavish, brought in a mm. consummate veteran that knew how to win, and, uh, you know, he was out there for the last base off the game in game seven or whatever it was. But my biggest memory is actually with that Ranger team, which was just a great team, was game six when they were getting completely outplayed by New Jersey. And Mike Richter was just, uh, just a stud. I believe game six is the one that Mark Messier predicted the win. And, um, I mean, they were just getting completely outplayed. And then, of course, like, I'm, I can't remember which one he said it. You know, Messier shows up and B's, and mark B's and Mark Messier ends up with a hat trick with the open net, and all of a sudden, that's I, that was the game that I really remember. That uh, that consummated that team is how professional and how great they were. So, so many great players, and yeah, I did. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get to play with some of those guys up in Edmonton before they did, as you said, have the the big fire sale, and they all moved out east.
0: You did too. Think. <laughs> you got the feeling. <laughs> But, you know, with that Rangers team, there were no 100 point scores. Like you said, their their leading scorer was a defenseman. I mean, Zuboff is a Hall of Famer, so I guess that's kind of all right. But um, no 100 point scorers. Um, and this was before salary cap. Their payroll was like double almost every team they were playing, you know? So it's kind of like that New York Yankee aura around them that, you know, they're spending way more money than everybody else. Big part of the reason why salary cap came in later, uh, really. Um, that and some, some Detroit teams too. But uh, Brian or Kevin, if you want to add your two cents, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, image in sports is very important, and, and there was so much like, you know, that when you look at the history of hockey and everything. That Mark Messier goal in the end, you know, and him just, you know, just you know screaming and 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 joy, you know, jubilant. I mean, that, that's an image that you that you see over and over and over again when they're when they're hyping up the playoffs or or something like that. And that, that's just like you know, if you if you could just break it down, just like one moment, you know, that that entire team, that entire season, it was that moment right there. Just the passion from Messier. Yeah, Kevin, anything you want to add? I
3: mean. Like you said, I mean, they bought a lot of their players, brought, you know, those players in. Messier, though, I mean, come on, he's one of the greatest players to ever play. I mean, he's a great captain, led that team. Um, It was, what, their first cup in how long? Um, 54 years, I think. 54
1: years, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Bringing a cup back to the Big Apple, I mean, that was huge um, for New York. And, um, you know, I've never liked the Rangers. (laughs) Um, And that's just because, you know, I'm a Penguins fan. But, um, no, Messier, I mean, great player great captain, um, did great things in, in for the NHL. And isn't he still, like, coaching or something or doing something in the NHL or was coaching?
0: I don't think he's coaching. He's, like, in charge of something for the NHL. Yeah, recall. Something like that. Yeah. recall correctly. You know, Brian Leach has really stayed out of the limelight. I haven't heard his name since he retired.
4: Yeah, um, yeah. He, he still has that he, that season too in the playoffs. He had the, that uh, second best season ever for a defenseman in the playoffs, right behind Paul Coffey, thirty four yeah. points. Man,
2: Sean, do you know anything about Leach? What 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 happened to him? I I actually do not. Funny story is I remember going to hockey camp when I was I think I was sixteen years old, and there was this kid from the East Coast coming in for the week. His name was Brian Leach, and everyone was talking about how great he was. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this kid play. And, yes, he was great. (laughs) (laughs) Even then. Even then.
0: Well, you know, they get great at a young age, and they just go from there. So, Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the 95-96 Colorado Avalanche. And uh, I'm representing them, so... Um, so this was the first season in Colorado. They had just moved from Quebec. So, you know, everything is new to them. A lot of pressure being in a new new city, new uniforms. So you can see that behind me. That was the first time they broke out those avalanche uniforms. Um, and in Quebec, they you know, nothing was ever won them. <laughs> in Quebec, no Stanley Cups were ever won there. Um, but the avalanche, they swept the Florida Panthers that year in the finals probably should have been playing the the Penguins, but that's neither here nor there. Um, They finished second in the league in points behind the Red Wings, who that season set the best record ever um, that year. And then they lost to the Avalanche. So the Avalanche took out at that time what was the greatest regular season NHL team of all time. Of course, they had wars with the Red Wings for years upon years. Um, uh, They had the... Sackick and Forsberg finished third and fifth uh, in the scoring race that year. They were sandwiched between uh, Mario Yager and Francis from the Penguins. And then the trade heard around the world, probably the second biggest trade in hockey history, right behind Wayne Gretzky, Patrick Wall, traded to the Colorado Avalanche. Um Many people say he's the greatest goalie of all time. I know there's some arguments for Brodeur and Hasek and Bernie Perron and a few others. But uh, my money's on wall. And out of every goalie we're talking about here tonight, there's no... Richter had a great season that year. But career-wise, he's not Patrick Wall. Tom Barrasso is not even close to Patrick Waugh. And Kevin, who you'll be talking about later. I mean, Mike <laughs> Vernon was an all-star a little bit here and there. But him and Osgood were moving in and out together that year. But I would take Patrick Wall over every one of them. Um, I don't think anyone here could probably put up an argument against that. Um, So that, yeah, that trade shocked the world. Um, It's considered the most one-sided trade in NHL history too, which is kind of surprising. But even on defense, they had some good players. Adam Foote, you know, he would hit you pretty hard. And uh, Santa Socialist came over on a trade that year. From San Jose, they had a lot of depth, Claude Lemieux, um, very physical, high-scoring player, Valerie Kamensky had 38 goals that year, 85 points. And their depth was just phenomenal, Adam Deadmarsh, Mike Ricci, st- very strong depth. And um, Patrick Wall, you know, came over around mid, little before mid-season, got 22 wins in a very abbreviated time there. 2.68 goals against is pretty good for that time period. And of course, they had Chris Simon as their enforcer, um, 250 penalty minutes that year. So that that's a pretty nice <laughs> amount there. Um, you know, they the, the team averaged nearly four goals a game. They had 430 goal scorers. It was a perfect blend of role players and soon-to-be Hall of Famers. Um, uh, just a, a really good mix. They just... In hockey, you can't just have a team full of stars. If you don't have those role players, those depth guys, you you don't have a prayer. Um, you got to have those people willing to go into the boards, like like Sean down there, a guy who's willing to take the hits, you know, for your team. So, um, so that that's the Colorado Avalanche. Um, they went on to win another cup with basically a lot of the same team, including. Sean Poding later on in uh, early 2000, I think it 2000-2001 season, yeah, which was actually Lemieux's comeback here, I think. So, um, so there there was a lot of depth on that team. I would take them probably over the other teams here, uh, just because of Patrick Wall um, in a seven-game series. I'm really not gonna not gonna vote against him, but uh, I'm interested to hear what everybody says. Sean, you. You won a cup with a lot of these guys later on, so you got um, some, some good firsthand knowledge. the uh, the win The win the cup for Bork here. Um, so, can, what can you tell us about the Avalanche?
2: Uh well, the team you're talking about, of course. I mean, all these teams are great teams. I mean, you look like the, at a uh, at a uh, Joseph and a Peter and the, players of that caliber. But I think you hit it on the head. It it all, it all starts right between the pipes, Patrick Wah. I don't know if you could go into a seven-game series, and I know he didn't win every one he played in, but I don't know if you could bet against Patrick Waugh with any other goalie. And I know, you know, guys like Marty. Marty uh, was a great goaltender in New Jersey and Hashik and you talk about all those great names, the Belfours. But I w- personally, I would take Patrick Waugh over anybody in a seven-game series any day of the week back then, and I think he was just the backbone that made that great team thrive.
0: Absolutely. And Sack and Forsberg, what about that one-two punch there? you
2: seen anything better than that in your playing time? Oh, trust me, I had the best seat in the house most of those nights watching them play, and I was the happiest guy in the world. I saved, I saved, I was saving 82 bucks a night watching those guys being able to be on the bench. And, then, and you know what? The nice thing about guys like that, and I learned it firsthand when we had success in Colorado, is as great of players as they are, they're even better human beings. So, I mean, they're just they're incredible people.
4: Good, Brett, right, go ahead. What do you what do you what's your thoughts? Um, you know, it, it's it is tough to argue against this team. And the the thing I like a lot about this team is this was a team built around the physicality of like '90s hockey. kind of somewhat of what I miss. And like you said, you went over the penalty minutes and you look at these people. I mean, Deadmarsh had 142, but somebody I always remember back then as almost like a stickler was Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux just got to other people. I mean, every game you felt like he was getting in somebody and instigating something. Uh, But again, that's what this team was built around. They had their stars up front. uh, They had their goaltender in there. Uh, they had their enforcers and their physicality, and they were just going to beat you up while they scored on you. Um, the only, I mean, the only thing I can really say right now that sticks out to me is their defense was a little suspect. Um, they weren't the best that year. And even when Patrick Waugh came over, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. As far as careers go, Waugh wins over these other goaltenders that we're talking about. Um, and what Sean said, if I had to bet on a goaltender, it would be Waugh. Um, but he he still struggled even. He he did come over mid-year, but he was 22, 15. I think he had 15 losses, 2.68, which is respectable back then, um, which isn't bad. But if I had to pinpoint anything, I think that sticks out to me.
0: Sean, was Claude Lemieux still there when you came to Colorado? Yeah.
4: yeah.
2: And I mean, you guys talk about how he got underneath, underneath other players' skin, but he was... He was built like a fire hydrant. He was so thick, <laughs> so strong, could score goals. I, and as as great of a player as he was, and as you said, as much of an instigator that he was, I still think he's underrated for what how effective he was on a team. He played, he played his role to the utmost degree, and he was so very effective on it. And that's why he ended up winning, what was it, two, three different Stanley Cups?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple with New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey, absolutely. Yeah. So Kevin... If if we go into the history of the Colorado Avalanche, and we look up chapter one, it's gonna say Detroit Red Wings. So, what are yeah. your thoughts on that?
3: <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, I remember growing up watching because you know Red Wings was my uh, favorite team outside of Pittsburgh. And really, is
0: that why you're wearing a jersey?
3: And well, I'm, and I'm representing one of their teams tonight. Hopefully uh, I don't upset Sean a little bit, bringing up some old memories.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but um, no, I mean, you know, the two of them, when when uh, they would face off against each other, you always knew that there was going to be a fight, you know, it and was, it, it was like full line fight, goalies involved, Patrick Wall, Mike Vernon, Osgard. I mean, it, it didn't matter who was in net, who was on the ice. Like there was always a little brawl that, that broke out in their games but, you know, that 96 team, I mean, let's not forget Red Wings finished that season winning the President's Trophy with 131 points. And Colorado got second with 104. But uh, Colorado beat them in the playoffs. You know, Detroit was favored to win the, the Cup that year. Um, I mean, they just – they were 27 points behind the Red Wings in the standings. Uh, and Colorado came out on top, and, and they had a great team. Um, I will say, though, uh, their division kind of sucked. Um, you know, the Pacific Division, only three teams made it to the playoffs that year. Uh, the rest were all from the Central, from Detroit's um, uh, division. But um, uh, Colorado did score the most goals uh, in that season in the Western Conference with 326, even beating out Detroit, uh, who only scored 325. So they beat them by one goal. Um, so, I mean, Colorado, I mean, yeah, I hated them, but they were a great team, can't deny that. You know, Forsberg, um Sackick, Waugh, um, I mean they hands down they, they definitely deserve to win the cup that year. Um it was nice to have it be, you know, I mean, I know they weren't an expansion team, but th- uh, Colorado's first year having a team to win the cup, it almost reminded me of uh the Panthers, how they almost won their cup their first year. And hats off to
0: Sackick, because that year he took the uh he took the cup back to Quebec you know, all those years they'd waited, they moved from Quebec to Colorado and they finally went the cup
3: well, that
0: same exact year, well, you know, so that's very classy. And just that, that one, two punch that I mentioned earlier, you got Sackick, you know, pure goal scorer, playmaker extraordinaire. And then on your second line, you're bringing in Forsberg who obviously could score and as a playmaker offensively, but defensively phenomenal two-way player, um, you you put them up there with some of the best of all time uh, with Bergeron, uh, Ron Francis with the Penguins of course was a great two way center. Um, you know they they did little things they'd win the faceoffs they'd be out there on the penalty kill things like that so just a really good one two punch. But um, okay so let's move to the 96 97 Red Wings and that is represented by Kevin.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so, look, the reason why I picked the 96-97 team uh, instead of the 97-98, because I know Mike's argument is probably going to be that the 97-98 team was better, but the 96-97 team, I picked them because this was the team that got Detroit over that hump. Uh, You know, they won the franchise's first Stanley Cup since 1955. Uh, The 98 team, yeah, they were voted as, like, the sixth best team in the NHL, uh, history of the NHL, Um, but this team, they they actually – they got over the hump. They had great teams leading up to that 96-97 season. Um, they brought in some acquisitions. After they lost in the first round of the 93 playoffs, they brought in Scotty Bowman, who we had mentioned for the 91-92 Pens. They brought in that Hall of Fame coach, uh, finished first in both the Central and Western Division for the 93-94. They unfortunately got upset by the Sharks in the first round. Um, but that that season there was the catalyst for them being successful for like the next decade. Um, following season, they won again the division and conference, and they beat three teams um, and got into the finals, but they lost to the Devils. 95-96, um, uh, they claimed the division and, and conference again. They were beat by the Jets, or they beat the Jets to Blues, um, but they lost to Colorado Avalanche, which is the year that we just did for you, Mike, for your, your Avalanche team. Um, they lost that series in six games, but then 96-97 is where they had it. They, they Swept two of the teams that they faced in the playoffs. That team had about a half dozen, a little more than a half dozen players that would f- be future Hall of Famers. You know, Eiserman, Shanahan, Lindstrom, Fedorov. They had Draper, Holmstrom, Larionov, Hall of Famer, Mike Vernon, great goalie. He split time with Osgood, like you had mentioned, uh, Mike, a little bit, a little bit ago. But let's not forget the Russian Five. The Russian Five was one of the greatest lines in the history of the NHL. I don't care what anybody says. You know, only 55 play, r- players from Russia were in the NHL at the time when Scotty Bowman put that line together. They were a very critical part in 97 uh, to winning the the Stanley Cup. You know, in the first round against the Blues, onof led the team with five assists. Uh, in the second sweep of the uh, the Mighty Ducks, top three uh, wing scorers were Fedorov with five points, Konstantinov and Kozlov uh, with four points each, and, um, and then in the Western Conference Finals uh, against the Avalanche, Fedorov led all the scores with three goals, four assists, while Arionov and Kozlov had uh, two goals each and three assists. All players contributed a game-winning goal during that series as well. And then if you jump into the finals, you know, they were believed to be the weaker team um, over Philadelphia. Philadelphia, they thought, was going to come in there and manhandle them. And the Russian Five stepped up to the plate. You know, Konstantinov was one of the hardest hitters in the NHL. Um, in game one, he, he leveled Trent Klatt. You had mentioned his name earlier. Um, and he laid it on the ice for several seconds. And then in game three, Konstantinov knocked out Dale Howardchuk, And that pretty much set the, the tone and finished that series right there. And Howardchuck actually retired after that season. But they swept the Flyers for nothing. Um, and, Sean, I mean, you played against them in that series. Um, What was it like going up against the Russian Five?
2: Oh, geez. A nightmare? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, It's funny you bring that up. That They they were the underdogs going into the finals. But my my biggest memory, and you'll remember it better than I do, I will. I can't remember if it was game two or three against Colorado. I want to say it was game three to go to the finals. They were just literally hammering the avalanche and again patty Waugh was just standing on his head I remember watching the game thinking if Colorado can steal this game and I think they were up to one in the series Colorado I can't remember exactly but I said if they can steal this game I said hopefully we can play Colorado because we have a chance and Detroit just pee pounded them and ended up winning five two or something and I remember going on the balcony with tears in my eyes and my wife was like what's wrong and I just literally said out loud, I said, we cannot beat this team. They they were that strong, that good. They, they, they just had everything. And a lot of people forget about how great their fourth line was. If you want to call it that Draper, Maltby and, uh, was it Joey at the time? Kosher? Yeah. Was it McCarty? Was it McCarty? Darren. Thank you. Darren. Yeah. that, That was their fourth line. And they just, they were unrelenting. And that—and like you said, the Russian five, they just, they weren't unstoppable, but you just, you were always on your heels against them. And it was just, they were just an amazing, amazing group. And of course, I think it all started with Mr. Bowman who put that whole group together. I mean, that's, he's just the brain trust that, that Detroit couldn't say thank you enough to.
0: So they, they swept the Flyers out that year 4 but I mean, was it, do you think for you guys, it was just more of, like, individual matchups that you would have matched up better against Colorado than, than Detroit?
2: No, I just I, – in my mind, and I, this is a while ago now, boys, remember. This is over 25 years ago or so. so. I just remember thinking that Detroit was so dominant that it would take a goaltender at the time, like a Patrick Watt, to steal maybe two games in a series to be able to get out of there with a 4-3 victory in seven games or something. And – I just, I just didn't, didn't know if we had it in us to steal a couple games from that squad, and as it turned out, we didn't.
0: <laughs> Brian or Brett, you want to jump in? Go ahead, Brian.
1: Uh, you know, go ahead, Brett. I'm still thinking about something.
4: Okay. Um, well, you know, talking about the Russians, uh, I. I <laughs> I have to love Russians myself. Again, I keep bringing up my lightning, but, you know, Kucherov, Sergachev, Vasi, Russians make a team, man. They're, they're good at hockey. They're good at what they do. Uh, <laughs> but this team, to me, relates most to the team that I'm uh, talking for tonight, the Rangers, because I feel like they were one of the most complete teams all around. Again, you look at they don't have a single player who scored over 100 points that year, but yet they were still so dominant. Uh, their goaltending was good, their defense was good, their hitting, they're checking. Every single aspect of this team was great, really. I mean, not even good. They were great, as you said. I mean, looking up against from coming from another NHL or saying, man, this team's so good. I'd I'd rather play another team. Um, I mean, the the honestly, the only thing I can say because they relate so much to the the Rangers is um, they were the overall preseason favorite to win the cup that year. So again, expectations are high to start the year and they f- ended up finishing uh, 10 games out of first place behind, I think it was Dallas, if I'm not, yeah, if yeah. I'm correct, Dallas. And um, I think that was the only letdown for the team, but it, maybe it was a, a blessing in disguise because we all know about the president's trophy curse and what happened to him <laughs> when they <laughs> won the 62 games. So same I mean, thing that happened to that hat you're wearing, lightning, two years yes, ago.
3: Yes, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> when Colorado won the Presidents' Trophy that year, and Detroit beat them. And then the year before, Detroit won, but Colorado beat them. So,
1: uh-huh. but so, am I seeing this right? That Detroit they only scored 253 goals that season. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. that I mean, that was like that's 90 less goals than what the Penguins scored that in '91, 92 But I think that probably speaks to like what you were mentioning, Brett, it's sort of a blue-collar team that would just sort of grind out wins. They didn't have to score a lot because, the, you know, the, they're, they're such a complete team. You know, defense was playing so well and then and, and goaltending was
3: playing well also. Well, they also led up the least, too, at 197 yes. out of everyone in West. Right, right, yeah.
0: And grind grind out wins is a nice way to put it. This was a dirty team, in my opinion. Um, you know, they, they literally tried to fight and, and and win by fighting teams in my opinion. Um, and so I saw they had five players with over 120 penalty minutes. That's not including Joey Koser, who had 70 penalty minutes in only 30 games. So, I mean, they were dirty. there's that, that whole fourth line that Sean mentioned, man, I mean, they, they were good players. To, uh, they were good, definitely good players, but man, that, that line just turned games into wars. I uh, grant they That's didn't have Claude, Claude and,
3: Lee picking on him a lot, but Shanahan still put up 87 points, 46 goals with 131 penalty minutes. So, you know, he's a power forward. Of course, he's got to put up you goals. Need, you need players that are going to get those penalty minutes and be enforcers to, so that way other teams don't jack up your players that are stars. And well, that they had that. And they brought in two late acquisitions they brought in Bob Berry and Larry Murphy, who are Stanley Cup winners, to add some depth. They were sure. a good all-around all complete team.
0: Well, and, here, and here's what I'm going to say, um, why I would have taken the 98 Red Wings over the 97 Red Wings. Um, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, the 97 Red Wings only had the fifth best record in the league. They didn't reach 100 points in the standings in 94. The 98 team had 103 points. Um, so so that alone, just in the regular season, tells me a lot. Um just on paper, the 98 team just looked better to me than, than the 97 team. I mean, a lot of the same players obviously were there. But, um, yeah. you know, Lindstrom was a year older at that point, too. So he was really coming into his own. Um, so, Sean, I, I got to ask you, because my memory is a little shot on this one. Paul Coffey, was he on your team for that cup run? Or was he on Detroit that season still?
3: Coffee got oh, I'm traded. sorry. What was the
0: question? Was Coffee on your team that year that you went to the finals with
2: Philly? Yes, sir. He all, was. Paul was with our team that year. That's that's what yeah. I thought.
3: Yeah, Coffee got traded to Hartford uh, <laughs> in October of '96, the beginning of the season, and then I think, actually, no, was it traded to?
0: He went to Hartford yeah, for Hartford.
3: Shanahan. Yeah, with Keith Premium, and then. Yeah. um, and then oh. Philly must have picked up coffee from there.
0: And Philly picked – yeah. Gosh. Think about that guy's career. He starts with Gretzky, goes to Mario, goes to Iserman, goes to Lindros. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, no <laughs> wonder his numbers were so good. <laughs> <laughs> who, who does that? You know? That, that's, that's amazing. That's why he's yeah. a Hall of Famer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he would have been a Hall of Famer regardless with his speed. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, even in 97 – when he went to Philly, the guy was still flying. Like, he was flying to the end of it. He was like 40 some years old, still flying around and came and played in Boston after Bork left for a year. And Carolina, he was good in Carolina. Just an amazing player, Paul Coffey, and he won some cups with Detroit and Pittsburgh and Edmonton. <laughs> Great player. So, all right. So, before we get into our vote, sorry, I went off track with Coffey there a little bit. Let's uh, bust out our trivia question for tonight. Got to be a member of the Legacy Battle Facebook group to win. So please join uh, the Facebook group. Prior winners, you guys are still ineligible. Uh, Make sure you answer all parts of the question uh, in the comment section. So who was the player that scored the winning goal in the movie Sudden Death? And what jersey number did Jean-Claude Van Damme wear while in goal? And what two teams were playing? So if you get those three questions right, we'll get your prize uh, sent out to you uh, in the mail. And uh, yeah,
4: quite a little movie there. So- I'm laughing because I watched that movie so many times, man. So
3: many
4: times. Yeah, they they blow up the arena
0: at the end, kind of almost. That was pretty neat. (laughs) So, all right. So quick recap then our our, um, teams tonight. So we'll vote here for our winner, and then we'll get into our Q&A with with, uh, Sean about his career. We had the 91-92 Penguins, 93-94 New York Rangers, 95-96 Colorado Avalanche, and 96-97 Detroit Red Wings. Now, we're not allowed to pick our own team uh, that we had to represent tonight, so that'll throw some kinks into this vote. And... uh, Sean, we're going to let you vote last, so that means the pressure will probably be on you. But uh, <laughs> right on my screen, you're in the upper left corner, so
4: go ahead. Oh, got to go first. Nah. All right. Um, again, teams we brought up, there's no arguing. The Hall of Famers that are on these teams, uh, these are the the players I grew up watching. I grew up loving. I mean, Pittsburgh, Mary Lemieux was my favorite team um, until the Lightning were created. Um, you know, used to watch him and Yager all the time. Uh, Russian, fi- I mean, everything we talked about tonight. Uh, the one thing I guess that that sticks out and when yeah, you were speaking on it is I'm going to go with the 95-96 Colorado Avalanche just because of they had, again, everything uh, that you're looking for in a team with the Sackick and the Forsberg up front. Uh, the, the Claude Lemieux, the uh, the Adam Ozelinch. I mean, everybody who was back there, the Deadmarsh, the, the physicality. And then, of course, they picked up Waugh. And, I mean, what more can you say? Again, when we talk about it, who are you going to want in net in a seven-game series out of everybody we spoke about? Patrick Waugh. So I'm going with the Avalanche.
0: Okay. Kevin, go ahead.
3: Um... I don't know, I, I, New York Rangers, 94. I mean, I love, I love the Messier and, and Leach, Richter, but I, I agree that like, I think that team was kind of bought. Um, and can't say enough about Lemieux, Yager, um, but I, I have to agree with Brett. I think uh, 95, 96, Avalanche is the best team, um, besides my Red Wings. <laughs> but um, bringing in Wa at the end, I mean, would they have won if they didn't bring in Wall? I don't know, um, but it definitely helped. Yeah, I what, think they were. Josh, Josh, awesome
0: Jocelyn, Jocelyn Tebow ain't getting it done.
3: No, he's not getting it done.
0: <laughs> oh, okay,
3: but I I'll go with I go with ninety five, ninety six Avalanche.
0: All right, uh, Brian, go ahead.
1: I, I mean, one thing that really sticks out to me, and you sort of mentioned it, Mike, was you know the fact that that Colorado had moved, um, you know, that season and. You know, I remember going into that season, I kind of just automatically, you know, wrote them off because, yeah, they're a new city. I don't know if they're going to be able to adjust everything. And then for them to go on the run that they did um, was just so impressive. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Colorado also. That was just one heck of a team and one heck of a run. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go next,
0: and I can't go Colorado (laughs) because that was my team. Um, So I got – this is a really really tough decision for me like i i didn't have a decision coming into tonight and i wanted to hear what you guys had to say about each team and and even after hearing y'all like i still don't really have a decision like brett i mean yeah they bought the team but who cares they they put the team together right i mean that yeah. that's 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 a solid argument. If I look at that team, I'm thinking, man, you know, it really was, in my opinion, another Oilers team. And that Oilers team won so many cups. And, you know, throwing a couple pieces with uh, Gartner and Steve Larmer and, and, of course, Zuboff. For a Um, one-year team, it's hard to argue with them. For a one-year team. For a one-year team, yeah. I mean, they were really good. They were predicted to win the year prior, too. But Mm -hmm. Lemieux, Penguins knocked them out. So I, I've been debating between them and then Brian with your '91, '92 pens because the amount of Hall of Famers coming off that team is just insane. The Hall of Famers um, is insane. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and really, it's really yeah. There's eight to finish the season with them, but they had Coffee early on in the year before he got traded. They had Mark Recchi in that year. He got traded, um, so they had two more Hall of Famers playing for him there. And I still believe Barasso, his numbers should put him in the Hall of Fame. He just, he, 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 I, when you go look online, he's considered one of the biggest snubs uh, in, in Hall of Fame history. But, you know, if you're not good to the press, it's not going to help. Look at Barry Bonds in baseball. So it's between those two. I can't even put Detroit in there. Sorry, Kevin. Because um, I would have taken 98. I just, 98 Detroit was better. But um, better team all around. Just look at the stats. So, um I'm gonna take the Penguins because of this. I'm taking Mario over Messier because in my opinion, Mario's probably the greatest player talent wise to play the game. I mean Gretzky point wise is obviously better, but I don't think anybody had better talent than Mario Lemieux. So um Sean, who do you like? Who do you taking?
2: Well, boys, I guess it would have to be a process of elimination on this end. I uh, played in Colorado, so there's not a hope and heck I can vote for the Red Wings.
3: <laughs> nice. Just salty from that loss in the finals, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: don't, I never let it die. <laughs> I played in Philly, so another hope and heck I cannot vote for the Rangers. <laughs> and I still haven't forgiven the Penguins for breaking my Minnesota North Stars hearts back in, I think it was 1992. 90 91. 91, Nin- yeah. 91. Yeah. So, my process of elimination, I got to go with my pesky abs as the <laughs> okay. team that I got to pick. <laughs> All
3: right,
0: there you go. That's uh, four for the Avalanche and one for Pittsburgh. So, we have decided that the 95-96 Colorado Avalanche was the best team of the 1990s. Nice job, guys. Nice job. That uh, turned out better than... <laughs> than I uh, expected for Colorado. I did not see them getting <laughs> all four votes. So that's yeah. pretty good. All right, well, we're gonna move into our Q&A. And um, so we're all gonna ask a couple questions here for Sean about his career. Played, uh, gosh, a really long time in the NHL. So um, Brett, you're always in the top left corner, it seems. So <laughs>
4: <Jeez>. <laughs> I'll let you yeah. ask the first question. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. So let's see here. I guess uh, a fun question, um, since Mike brought it up at the beginning about, you know, fighting and stuff. Uh, I've always wondered, and I know we've, we've heard nowadays with like guys who are mic'd up and things like that. But what, what really goes on on the ice uh, between you and another guy, uh, unless it's a, obviously a spur of the moment thing. But when you all are deciding to fight each other, what, what what's being said back and forth? You know what, I, I can only speak for myself back in the 90s and,
2: you know, you have the times when, you know, maybe some guy took a run at a teammate that you're really pissed off at and you want to get back at him and stick up for your teammate. You have those times. Um, you got times where you you literally just bite because you want, you're scared to lose your spot in the lineup or you want to prove to your teammates that you're a good teammate. Yeah. And then every once in a while you got the time where, I remember Rhett Warner came on the ice and. I was on the fourth line. He's, he was the 60 D or 70 or something. He lines up against me and goes, Bozy, I got to fight. I got to stay in the lineup. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> no problem. So the puck dropped. We dropped him. We fought. This is in Florida, I believe. And we go to the penalty box. I look over and he looks at me and he goes, thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so You kind of have the different gamuts, but, but um, for the most part, usually it was it was usually to stick up for a teammate, or you know, in, in or in a highly highly kind of tested um, rivalries, like when I was in Philly with New York, or or in Denver when against uh, the Red Wings. Those were and and Dallas, we had a pretty good rivalry with them at the time too.
3: Okay, nice, Kevin. Go ahead. So one of, the, one of your fights that sticks out to me is, uh, you know, usually uh, people don't go after superstars on a team. But uh, I saw that you had fought uh, Jerome McGinley. And I was just wondering how that uh, all got started. <laughs>
2: well, it's funny. Jerome and, Jerome and my boy are the same birth year, so they play against each other now in, in uh, AAA hockey. But I think, I think Jerome back then, I think he was on Calgary at the time. Yeah. And I, I remember he had the puck in the boards, and I just took a I just took a run at him and I was feeling pretty good about myself, connected pretty well. And I, the only thing I knew about Jerome is what is that he was a superstar. And I came to find out after the fight that he's built like a brick shite house and <laughs> strong <laughs> as an ox. All of a sudden I was skating away and I turned around and all of a sudden I If I remember, I I started feeling left fists and knuckles on the right side of my face. And I was like, this was a bad move. (laughs) (laughs) And I hung in there, got out of there. And I just remember having a a new respect uh, for Jerome after that. uh, Not only his greatness as a player, but his toughness as an
1: individual. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, go ahead. Um, Your best... uh statistical season was uh, the 2000-2001 season. So was there some kind of adjustment or something that changed in your game um, that made that possible? Oh, did you get
2: that one, Sean? Oh, I missed oh. the second half, sorry.
1: Oh. Okay, I, I said that your your best uh, statistical season was the 2000-2001 season. And I was just wondering, was there some kind of... Um, adjustment maybe that you made to your game or, or some, some sort of change that, that made that possible? I would,
2: if you, if you had to ask me that, I would have to say it started literally as a team thing on the plane ride back from Dallas the spring before. Uh, we had just lost to Dallas in game seven for the second year in a row. And it kind of spurred, uh, put a kind of a burr up ours as a, as a, as a group to really get over that final hump. And uh, for me individually, I took it as an individual challenge as much as a team challenge. And I don't know if that was a difference maker or not, but I think we really had something to prove as a team because we thought we were a very, very good team, as was Detroit, as was Dallas. And we just needed a little something extra to get over that. And if that was something that spurred me to maybe have a little bit more success than I had the other years, I would say that would be the maybe the one thing along with great great line mates, <laughs> those two things. So
0: you spent five years in, in Philly, so I'm sure your, your heart was really there and, and you probably loved being there. So what was your reaction to being traded to, to Colorado?
2: Um, honestly, at the moment, it was really, really hard. I, I'm pretty much just a blue collar, hard working kind of guy. And and Philly fit, fit the mold of everything that I loved. It was my first big city I'd lived in, uh, the first organization that I was with. Uh, coming from Edmonton, and Edmonton we were I was there during very some some very very lean years. We were I was not there during their their heyday, and and we were having success and we were competing very hard and it was an all in all the win attitude and I really enjoyed that and when I got traded it just really hit hard because I loved Philly. I loved the hard-cornness of the city. I loved the uh, the rivalry with the Rangers. I loved the um, no-nonsense um, what you would say character of Philadelphian people and <laughs> I just I just fit very well there as for for my uh, my my character. And so it was a really tough trade and of course at the end of the day, things happen for a reason and I was very blessed to go where I went. But that was a it was a it was a tough day when I when I when we left Philly because we loved it there. You got time for a few
0: more or... like, Sure. yeah. Brett, right, go
4: ahead. Yeah. Um, I got a, a two part question. The first one's simple just because I, I saw this uh this quote I guess about you. Is it really true that you wore your uh, uniform for 25 straight hours after winning this cup? Well,
2: I blame I blame Barry Melrose for that one. (laughs) (laughs) We had won, and you know, usually I'm sure people think after you win it's a big party. And uh, um, but if you ever have you ever uh, read or watched Boys in the Bus with the Oilers, uh, you know. The first thing that uh, Wayne Gretzky talks about is when they lost the Islanders, and I believe it was 84, they expected to go by the room and everyone would be partying, and actually all the Islanders were sitting there with ice bags all over their bodies, beat up, tired. And that's when he kind of realized what it took to win, to win it. And so we won it. It was fun, and, you know, we enjoyed it, but I just couldn't get out of my stuff. And then I got dared to wear it to the Chop House, this, you know, bar restaurant. I walk in and someone's like Barry, look at Pody and look at Pody, and he's like, that's nothing. We had some guy in Adirondack when we won it in the AHL. wear his stuff for twenty four hours, and as you know, boys, if you're like me, you're still twelve years old, sticking your tongue on a frozen pole. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was Took like a triple dog dare, and I ended up wearing my stuff for twenty five hours, and it was one of the grossest things I've ever done <laughs> in my life
0: <laughs> we, we, we've all played hockey here the four of us so we, we know what hockey equipment smells like, like <laughs> yes,
1: yes that's not good
4: um the, the, I guess second the second part oh sorry go, yeah, ahead. go ahead nope go ahead all right the second part of my question was just uh you played overseas like in Japan and areas and I was just going to say what's probably the biggest difference you see between overseas hockey and then North American I guess if you call it um, overseas. Yeah, one of my first remembrances was
2: overseas with the Olympic-sized rinks, and this is back in 2004, I think, or three, I can't remember. Um, I tried running a guy, and I swear to God, it felt like I had to push him seven to eight feet just to get him into the boards, <laughs> unlike the smaller <laughs> rinks back in North America, where you could just run a guy, run a guy, and it felt pretty good. But uh, the biggest thing I realized was just the smoothness and the openness and the using of the extra ice on the outside. And, uh, you know, much more of a playmaking game, much less of a physical game. And the other thing I remember is the crowds. It was like going, it was like a um, musical, cheering, jumping, ranting, raucous social event from the puck drop until it finished. And then after the game, sometimes when we'd win in Sweden, guys would be out there and we'd go out as a team and they'd be dancing. And the, the crowd loved it. And I was like, so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> Kevin, go ahead.
3: Uh, so I see that, you know, you played uh, for the University of Minnesota at Duluth. And then uh, you got drafted after your freshman year. Uh, by Edmonton 166 in uh, the 88 draft. Um, was there, like, a team that you were uh, preferring to be drafted by or was there a team that you didn't want to be drafted by? Like, what was your thoughts going into the draft or, um, you know, what was your expectations? Okay, that's – honestly, I, I haven't told this story in a long
2: time. Now, this is pre-cell phone, boys, so any of your listeners. So <laughs> – the draft was going on and it wasn't like it was today where you, people go up on stage and things like that. And I was supposed to get drafted, you know, back then there was like 12 rounds. So there's like people's pets getting drafted by the end of the draft, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so <laughs> I had gotten passed over for two years and this is my, I was 20 and I was driving home from uh, LA. I was out visiting a buddy in San Diego and I stopped in, I think it was Omaha to call my dad on the pay phone. I called my pops and he goes, yeah, you're supposed to get drafted. And I said, yeah, I'm sure I I heard, it was like in the paper, the Rochester Post bulletin. And we only had three channels back then back in my hometown. So it wasn't on the news or anything like that. So I was driving home and I didn't expect to get drafted. And we rolled in around four in the morning with my buddy Lee and my mom woke up and she said, you got drafted. I said, what? She goes, yeah, someone called from the paper and said, you got drafted by the Edmonton Oilers. And I remember sitting down and thinking, oh, shite, I'll never play for them. They're way too good. (laughs) That was my first thought on my draft day.
1: (laughs) Brian, go ahead. Uh, Were there any particular players um, you felt like were your rivals or who maybe brought out the best in your game? Oof.
2: Great question. You know, one place I always loved playing was up in Montreal when I played for Philadelphia. Because we had just made, or Mr. Clark had just made the trade for uh, um, Eric Desjardins, Johnny Leclerc, Gilbert, and Gilbert Dion, I believe. And so, and Patrick, uh, Patrick Waugh was still a goaltender there. And for some reason, we had Patrick's number in Philly. No, no idea why. And so every time we'd go up there, it was a big to do because we had a lot of we had a few French Canadians on the team. Patrick Waugh was always in net. Hockey night in Canada was always seemed to always be a Saturday night, and it was Montreal, man. I mean, you're talking to a kid who grew up in a trailer trailer park growing up in south Southern Minnesota. Now you're in the hockey hotbed of of Quebec, uh, Canada. So that, those were some special memories that I remember that really spurred me to just be super, super excited to get on the ice and play.
0: Your Stanley Cup run with Colorado, when you guys, you you swept the Panthers that year in the finals. Was it for your team and you guys this same, like all the press would say is it's win one for Bork, win one for Ray Bork. Were you guys saying that in the locker room too, or was this, you know, you got enough motivation, it's the Stanley Cup finals? (laughs)
2: Well, now remember, it was 96 when they swept the Panthers. We, we played. Oh, in yeah. you're right, game Jersey. Seven. That's right. Actually, yeah, I think, I think my favorite quote was Ray. He had it himself. Ken Danico was, we were, they were talking in the finals and, um and Ken Danico was, he came, went, got an interviewed and he said, I'm sick of hearing about Ray Bork. I'm sick of this, sick of that. And then Ray was the next guy who got interviewed. And they asked Ray about it, and Ray said, "I'm sick of hearing about myself." <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
2: that was, but that was no, that. of course, of course, it was it was just special having Mr. B on our team, and you know, he's someone I still talk to yearly on the day that we had our success, and he was he was great great motivation. I mean, if you don't if you can't be motivated by a guy who's been super loyal to one franchise for so many years above what he needed to be and then in his 22nd year I have a chance to bring home the big silver thing i mean that's that was a pretty special thing to have on your side
0: yeah yeah anybody else have one more or you guys
3: yeah oh um i got one so um i see that you uh had st- set up a uh, children's foundation um is that still like active and like what what all does it do Well, we,
2: we stepped that up back in, and I want to say 97, I kind of plagiarized Johnny LeClaire's foundation that he started back in Vermont. And so that was 20, almost 25 years ago now. And, you know, it, we, at its height, you know, we used to have those before the the big crash in what, whatever year that was, 2009 or whatever it was, Hmm. that was over in Ireland with my dad. Oh, thank you. Um, before that we'd have the big parties with thousands of people and bands and everybody from flying and all that stuff and after that it slowly dwindled down and now we do some online stuff but it's very very quiet you know a lot of our board members now are grand and grandpas and I got my own kids and we get busy with other things but it's just a it was just a foundation that we started to help um, you know disadvantaged children around the southeastern Minnesota area and Uh, to children with a rare disease called ataxia delgetasia and um, a lot of those families we still get together every year and most of the monies that we raise and most monies that we have now we spend on keeping those families together and having an inner in a kind of an inner circle so they can stay in touch with one another and you know as you know you have your own team they have their own team to share their stories their their ills their triumphs and things like that so it's still going it's definitely much, much smaller on a scale that, that it used to be.
0: Right. Was that um, the Lindros to Claire Renberg line? Is that uh, you think maybe the best line you've played with, been a part of?
2: Yes. I okay. when when they, when they were at their height back in the, the, the mid nineties, it was scary. I mean, I mean, they were just they were they were dominant on a nightly basis, and Eric Lindros was maybe the scariest superstar. I've ever seen on the ice, when he, when that, when that uh, switch powerful, no one more dominant physically at that superstar level than Eric. He was incredible and that, and the line just fed off it.
0: Yeah, great player. Uh, Anything you want to plug before you go, Uh, your coaching gig, anything like that?
2: Not really, guys. I mean, I'm just a happy guy stuck in an awesome groove back here in Minnesota, coaching girls hockey at Peninsula St. Margaret High School and chasing my little boy who I'm hoping stays on the right side of those bars that uh, they, they put you in if you make the wrong decisions in life. So <laughs> life is good. Well, we're all, we're all down in Florida.
0: How cold is it up there right now?
2: <laughs> okay, you guys would laugh because it was... I think it was 36 today, and there are people out, myself, with shorts and t-shirts, <laughs> working out doing yard work. It's crazy. I mean, I'm imagine telling your fans down there that they'd freak out. <laughs> oh
4: yeah,
2: I was sweating taking my kid uh, trick or treating
4: last night. It was pretty hot, so it hit 68 here, and people are in scarves and you know down jackets. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> exactly. You guys thank can keep you guys can keep your gators. We'll keep our mosquitoes. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Sean Poding, for joining us tonight. We really
0: appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, maybe sometime we can hook up like an interview about your career or something. That'd be really cool for us to do. Um, be very interested in that, especially your Philly days, because I always got a big kick out of the Flyers in the '90s. But um, want to just remind everybody to uh, join the Facebook group, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And um, we're going to be coming at you with a lot of shows here, uh, especially in 2021. We're probably going to move up to two shows a month instead of one. So um, we hope you'll join us for everything. So thank you for everyone for watching. And everyone, have a great night.
4: God bless. Thank you, Sean. Thank really you, Sean. Appreciate you coming on. Yep. Thank right. you, guys. Have a great, great. night, eh? You yeah, too. You too.
1: Yep. Take All care, right. boys.